Welcome back to Path to Glory, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. In this episode, we will be discussing a very recent uh, Canadian event, the Alberta Classic 2022. But before we do that, uh, we want to thank our patrons who help keep the lights on. Thank you so much to everyone who supports us. If you're interested in supporting the podcast monetarily, please check us out at patreon.com slash path to glory. If that's not possible, we still appreciate the listens and the ratings. This is your host, Aman Kusro, and today I am joined by Captain Murder, the Canadian Wonder Boy, and a patron of ours. How's it going, my friend? Uh-oh. Hey, doing really good. Thanks for having me on. Did you just crack a beer open at 9 a.m. your time? Yes, oh. absolutely, I did. Very nice. I love that. Well, it's uh, only a Tuesday here, and I got to tell you, we, we got a whole lot more week to get through. That's right. We do indeed, actually. <laughs> so how is, uh, how is it up there? Uh, you know what? Most of the restrictions have started to uh, get relaxed uh, throughout throughout most of Canada. Traveling can still be a pain. Uh, you're never quite sure what, uh, what the rules will be wherever you go. Uh, it's... It's definitely stifled in-person gaming uh, to a degree. So getting people out uh, sometimes can be a chore. But uh, yeah, I, I think now that we've got a, a little bit of summer, summer and a little bit of hope, it's uh, a little bit better up here. Yeah. I, um, I have family in Canada. So like my, my grandmother, she's always like, yeah, we don't leave because we don't know like how the restrictions will change. She's older too. So she's got a little bit more to worry about, but um, then I'll see on Facebook, she's like, Oh, lunch with my friends. And it's a bunch of like 70 and 80 year old women. And I'm just like, what are you, what are you doing? Pick, you know, pick, pick something. You tell me you never leave, but then you're always out online. It's pretty funny. So I, I have really noticed that uh, beforehand, both uh, my lady and I, we, we really enjoyed getting out, seeing people. Uh, now I'm, I'm very lucky to, to be in Western Canada near the Rockies, we get in a lot of hiking, a lot of outdoor stuff. It's yeah. definitely kept us sane over the last couple of years. Yeah, I was actually um, I was looking forward to coming to the Alberta Classic earlier before um, you know things came up because I did part of the reason was I wanted to go hiking. I wanted to do that, you know, with my uh, with my fiance. So really disappointed I didn't get to make it, but you know, always an excuse to come back in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, in regards to gaming, you said not a lot of in-person gaming going on. Are you getting most of your games online, or I know you have like a small crew that you play with, um, David and well, Matt doesn't play anymore as much. Yeah, Matt has really gone to AOS and Warcry. And that it, it, it's true. Uh, that has a lot to do with uh, he. He's pretty proficient in hobbying. And his wife, Alex, is extremely talented. She, she probably commissioned paints about half my warbands at this point. Oh, wow. Uh, and so just having it, – it's funny. I went from playing Age of Sigmar to liking the idea of having uh, really small teams and just having little mini painting projects. Uh, they went the other way. They wanted big army painting projects uh, with dioramas and everything like that. It it looks uh, quite stylish how they do it. That's very cool. He's um he posts some stuff in our in our Discord every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And just talking to him personally, I know that his wife paints, but I didn't realize she was painting outside of their household. That's cool. Yeah. No, uh, but yeah, in, in terms of Underworlds, uh, yeah, we, we definitely have the Calgary Union of Night Vault Tier 1 Shadespire Homies, mm. uh, which, uh, which is a, a great local crew. Uh, one of the nice things, a lot of the stores haven't been able to host uh, in-store gaming uh, due to the restrictions. However, uh, there there's about four or five uh, pubs and lounges throughout Calgary that will have a, a nice little nook in back with a big table that uh, we can go grab a couple pitchers of, of libations and, uh, and do some lunch fire. Uh, along, along with that, uh, Probably my most consistent training partner is a gentleman named Jesse Pompowski. Now, mm. do you know Jesse at all? <laughs> I do know Jesse. I do know Jesse. We uh, we have a nickname for him up here. He he beat uh, whoever whoever it is that won Adepticon down there. Uh, Jesse was the only one to beat him, so we we actually call him better than the best up here. Mm. That, that's his nickname. I um I accept that. <laughs> and um, I, I would not go so far as Sam the best, but I think Jesse kicked my behind very, very, very well. Went badly for me in our games. I, I got uh, I got rolled off the board pretty quick. Yeah. No, that that's the Alberta Agro Vantage right there. Yeah, he's um, and I have to say, really, really kind guy. Um, you know, no, it's never fun to get rolled off the table. And so sometimes, you know, people tend to grumble. So I was kind of grumbling a little bit. I was like, oh, of course, or, oh, you know, crit, there's the crit, you know. And so that happens, and uh, he took it in great stride, and he was very um, empathetic. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he's really cool. I talked to him after the game. I talked to him after the event. Very nice guy. Yeah, so it's it's funny, actually, up here, uh, besides Jesse, and, and, of course, Matt Penner has been famous for his whippas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a couple players out of Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton is about a three-hour drive, so we we have quite a few tournaments uh, playing against the Edmonton team, where where David Lancaster is from. Uh, Baird Arm for for anyone who plays Vassal, mm-hmm. uh, and so a couple of their top players play Ripples as well. So there there's been a, a lot of uh, sort of testing with and against them, and I I can very confidently say that I've probably lost more games to Rippas than anyone else in the world. I believe you. Yeah. Especially when uh, two of your practice partners likes playing them. That's funny. Um, I don't know why you guys love Rippas so much. I never really thought about it. I never thought it was a specific region of Canada, Canadian players. But actually, that's not true because, um, you know what, I'm going to forget his name. But I ran into him at LVO last year and at the Adepticon two, three, uh, 2019 um he is a very good painter um he's from the hexaholics which is a toronto yeah group uh, but he plays ripus too you, you know what i can't think of the gentleman's name and we're we're gonna you know what i'm talking about we'll realize who it is yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 we'll give him a shout if i remember him yeah um or i mean i'm sure i will we'll just mention it in the next episode who it was but uh definitely mix miss the hexaholic guys they were really nice people well, you know, them and and so so actually sort of transitioning to the Grand Clash, uh, what was really nice uh, with sort of the the state of the current COVID restrictions 
was that we actually were able to get uh, people from across Canada and the States uh, were able to show up for it. So we, we had a couple people from Ontario, uh, a couple people from Vancouver. Uh, Dave and his team came down from Edmonton, of course. Uh, so it, it was awesome to get to play people outside your, your local meta for once. And uh, what, what was really interesting was that the, the Alberta Agro Meta or Alberta Agro Vantage, uh, as I call it, uh, that reputation had proceeded. So everybody sort of came prepared uh, for for an agro heavy tournament, which I, I love that was, was really good because it it shows the the idea that mithril sharpens mithril, and that people are going to adapt uh, in order to to play where they are. I love that. I love how you skip steel. You skipped <laughs> everything that comes above it. If anything does, you went straight to yeah. the strongest metal out there. You know that's great. I love that. So I, I guess that is a great segue, um, and I'm really excited to you know hear more about the event um, and from from you especially. So let's talk about yeah you know how this event came to be. I know that you guys had an event in 2020 or 19. Yeah. So uh, the Alberta Classic it it used to be known as GrotzCon, and uh, it has been the the premier uh, sort of gaming event uh, in Western Canada, if not all of Canada, uh, we we certainly have enjoyed uh, a lot of participation, and there it definitely is predominantly Games Workshop events. Uh, there's a huge 40k tournament, a huge AOS tournament. Uh, I, I think in 2020 they had 60 Blood Bowl guys, uh, which was insane for what should be a box sport. But the Blood Bowl League of Calgary, uh, with its affiliates uh, across the country, are just huge. Um, they they do a mini sevens tournament the the Friday before their big two day tournament. So I got to participate in that, and that had 16 people. Uh, and then the the next day they. I, I I did a bit of a head count and they had at least forty guys playing. Uh, wow. You know, both the forty k and AOS events had a, a good eighty to one hundred people. Uh, kill team Marvel Crisis Protocol for the non GW, uh, and then and then a bunch of other games. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not as uh, familiar with all the all the various game systems out there. Mm-hmm. So I got to see like these World War II themed games, uh, some other sports themed games. It, oh yeah, Flames of War. Uh, that was one of them, and then there was yeah. another one too. It's called Team Yankee. <laughs> so Team Yankee is a, um, it's a, it's like World War Three, like fake, um, and it's just like Americans versus, uh, I think Russians. Okay. Yeah. That, that was like not uh, prophetic at all. <laughs> yeah, um, those guys are crazy. Um, they love they love their games. Like uh, there's a dedicated um, uh, like Team Yankee Flames of War group in every store in Houston. It's incredible. Oh, nice. it's like it's a bunch of older guys, um, usually, and uh, they they take their hobby very seriously. Yeah. It's cool, um, but that's really cool that you guys you got to see all those games. That's fun. Yeah, um, and, and so uh, back in 2020, uh, so they they tried to hold it every May. Uh, now 
in 2020, they actually had to split it up and mm. do separate game systems in, in separate locations. Uh, we still wanted to, to hold all the events uh, just to keep it going. But uh, in 2020, the, the Grand Clash that happened there uh, really had a lot of safety protocols. It was uh, right. spread out. Uh, definitely had, uh, you know, everybody had masks. We had sanitizing on the tables. So uh, this, this year, uh, getting back into things, uh, we were able to actually see some of the other things that were going on, which was neat. Uh, we were able to be a little bit closer and, and take a look at everybody's games. We didn't have to wear masks. Uh, one or two people still did, and, and they're more than welcome to do that. But it, it wasn't a requirement in Alberta now, which was nice. Uh, so yeah, having, uh, having, having a, a larger, larger than average tournament at the very least that we could get people coming back, uh, to the game was definitely worth it. Absolutely. 100% worth it. Um, that's really cool. Um, and so uh, continuing that tradition this year was really important yeah. for everyone to just keep that event going. And it, it really was, and, and along with that, uh, one of the best things that I think has come out of the new season has been Rivals Plus or Warlords format. Really? Yeah, where you take just uh, your faction cards uh, plus either the Essentials or one of the other uh, little Rivals decks. And so for, for a lot of people, we, we had about 25 people all told, uh, and there, there's almost more interest in having uh the rivals plus and it it definitely led to a, a bit of i don't want to call it a conflict uh because everybody just wants to play right. uh, but there there's definitely some discussion should it just be a rivals plus event should we do uh a full-on championship and so that's why the the format uh wound up being a saturday uh warlord skirmish mm-hmm. uh so everybody got got in seven games uh yeah, best of one on all of them, and uh, David Lancaster Beardarm uh, wound up taking that one. Uh, he actually also won the best painted that day. Oh, nice! What yeah. was he playing? He was playing the Crimson Court. Oh, nice! Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and then the Sunday uh, was when we had the the championship level Grand Clash and four rounds of that. That's awesome. So. Let's take a step back then and let's talk about Rivals Plus, Rivals and Championship, right? So, you know, you've we've, we've spoken quite a bit about how um, it, it feels like there is a small divide happening with, with some people preferring a certain format over the other. In terms of locally, like online, I think it's very championship focused and heavy. And then we talk about, you know, growing the game, you know, I think... Out of all the games that exist out there, you know, you you measure you mentioned some earlier. I think Underworld has had maybe a little tougher time coming back to its glory days, um, and I think there are a myriad of reasons for that. But we don't have to get into that right now. But I think when it comes to trying to rebuild the international community, um, but more so the local community, I feel like Rivals and Rivals Plus is great, right? But it's have you found it? So like for me, for example, like I'm trying to start a local league and you know, we've, we haven't had much success, like two, three people. And it, it's really exhausting for me to play these rivals games after a while, because 
So you made an expression. What is so? So I I don't know if you're gonna video this or if this will just be audio. But I it's just I, audio. Yeah, a very shocked face that Adam on here and he's held <laughs> on my camera. Uh, so so I've actually had the opposite experience. Really? Uh, and the reason why? Uh, and so I'll, I'll give you an idea on how we've dealt with the divide. Yeah. Uh, because uh, with with championship underworlds. If you want to keep up to it, you you need to expect that you're going to be spending uh, a few hundred dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Now, for a Games Workshop game, that's that's low cost. Yeah, right. So that's kitty money. But uh, if you want the people that that aren't used to having you know a hundred miniatures and three thousand dollars invested into that game, and you want to keep them interested, it's sometimes hard to say. Well, if you want to keep playing at this level, you need to keep throwing in money after money. Now, what Rivals Plus does uh, specifically is allow a small amount of deck building. Uh, your cards will never rotate out uh, so that whether you played last month or three months ago, uh, you know that if you're playing that format, you're going to be playing at the same competitive level as the guy that's been there the entire time, and it just starts coming down to skill. Uh, as opposed to the new combo or the new trick, or is this uh, card restricted or forsaken or whatever else uh, the issues are. So we we very quickly uh, decided as a community that if it's a regular local tournament, uh, it will always be Rivals or Rivals Plus. Uh, and that way it will be super accessible for anyone to join. And anyone that wants to step up and play championship, uh, we're always happy to show them how to play on Vassal, uh, I I think I've only gotten one or two games on Tabletop Simulator. Uh, I think my first one was with you, actually, Mark. And, yeah. And yeah. Uh, then if if they want to do that high-level competition, uh, if you're looking at doing the, the trip to Vegas or Chicago or to Nova, uh, that's that's where you start practicing a championship. And uh, so that's – and, you know, I'm, I'm always up for a – for a game of Rivals or a Championship. And the big thing that I like about playing Rivals and playing Rivals Plus especially is that I get to play the the warbands that I wouldn't normally play because in Championship, you just want to get in rep after rep after rep. Make sure that, that you're as strong and focused on that as you can. Whereas with Rivals Plus, uh, play play what you want. Play what's going to be good in it. You you know that if you're if you've got essentials, you've probably got great strength, great fortitude, branching fate, you know, path to victory, um, and it it gives a really good way to teach new players and a really consistent game experience uh, as as you go forward. Yeah, and, and I don't disagree with anything you've said. Right, I think absolutely you've laid it out very well on like what the plan would be and how to grow that. I think for me, I. I think I struggle when it's like not bleeding edge competitive play because I just like, I, I just feel like there's so much more potential that needs to be unlocked. And and that's something that, you know, I definitely temper and I, you know, I just say, Hey, you know, I got to sacrifice my immediate joy so that I can build my local community. But I've been playing these and we haven't even, the thing is, is we haven't even played rivals plus yet. It's oh. just rivals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because I'm trying to get everyone to get in and, and like, you know, keep that buy-in low, as you alluded to earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just been, it's been draining for me because I'll walk away after like two, three games. And I'm just like, you know, I, 
I could have done so much more, but, or like these, it's like these games will end with like six to seven, you know, seven is, and it's like, so that for me has been a really big change. I'm not like complaining. I'm just saying like, it's, it's been, it's not as fun as I usually have with Underworlds and, and it makes sense, right? It does, it makes absolute sense. Um, and it's part of growing the hobby, but it's just my least favorite aspect of getting people back into the game. Uh, a suggestion I have for you, and I, I actually have this for everybody, whether uh, they want to stay at a high competitive championship level or not, uh, grab other warbands that, that are collecting dust. Uh, the, the big reason for that, uh, well, two, twofold actually, it gives you a different experience. It makes you think in a different way that uh, you need to play. And what's more, when you finally do see Skaith or Grimwatch again or, or the Starblood Stalkers, uh, you have a bit of a better feel on what to expect. Agreed, yeah. yeah. It just it just so happens that a lot of the Warbands that I want to play in this setting are like Season 1 and 2. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, and, that's, and that's why Rivals Plus is so awesome. It's probably better, yeah. yeah and I um, want to graduate everyone there. Yeah. Um, but we're we're uneven numbers right now. I'd rather just be the guy that jumps from table to table and then explains things. Um, but we're at three people, so I'm the fourth right now. But hopefully, we'll get that fourth person soon. I actually last night, um, one of my buddies, I've been trying to get him to hobby for years, but he doesn't like to build or paint. It's just not his style, not his thing. And I'm just thinking, like, what games can we play? And then we were talking about OE One the other day, great show, and uh, he was like. I was thinking like, oh, he loves Star Wars. So then I thought about X-Wing because X-Wing is, you know, you don't build, you don't paint. You just stick it on a plot of the base and you go. And so we went to game night last night just to like kind of introduce him to it at our friendly local game store. And while we're like learning X-Wing, I'm like trying to talk about Underworlds. Um, and so I recruited, you know, the, um, a couple mm-hmm. who were like, hey, we have Shadespire. Um, we bought Dyrechasm. And I was like, great, pick up another maze and let's play. And so hopefully they're they'll join. It doesn't. It's still it's still an even number. Or sorry, an odd number. But I'm still excited. You know, <laughs> I'm going to other game nights and stealing their players, which is fun. <laughs> no, I'll I'll be uh, working on that as well. Uh, what's funny is that I've I I used to play X Wing uh, quite a bit and found that I liked uh, Underworlds better, which is one mm-hmm. of the reasons I switched. As I've tried to get people to switch as well, they've been more likely to go to Kill Team because they they like the sci-fi aspect uh, a whole lot more yeah. than fantasy. So I I may uh, I may wind up dressing up the the Vanguard or maybe Thundrix's Space Marines or Squats and saying, yeah, you know these, these are the Squats that are hanging out here. You know you, you can play. Yeah, them. you can yeah. certainly do that. I mean, oh, absolutely. It doesn't matter what the. I mean, I guess in official competitive play, but. You know, Warhammer Games Workshop, they love conversions. Yeah. And as long as you're using their miniatures, like you yeah. can make, you know, Space Marine, Stormcast, you just need the cards and stuff. Yeah, so for sure. that's a great idea. That might be a great way to grow that aspect of their community. Um, yeah, X-Wing is very interesting. Um, I, we won't dwell on it because we're not an X-Wing podcast, but I, I, I found it to be very different from almost every game I've ever played. Yeah, it, it is It is pretty slick, that rule set. Yeah, it's very, very different. And... Um, even in like the starter game, I got set up nasty where like, you know, cause you don't realize like how sharp the turns are right. and stuff. So, um, but I do like that little Texas Hold'em aspect where like, you don't know what your opponent's doing. Mm-hmm. You don't know what maneuver you're going to make and you're trying to, I like that. Okay. That was fun. Um, but the only reason I'm playing it is cause I just want to play games with my buddy. Yeah. 
So that'll be like our game, but obviously, you know, Underworld is my is my is my jam. So speaking of the jam, let's talk about the Alberta Classic. So what warband did you take and what were your like how did you practice? Um and what were your thoughts going into it and how did you kind of prepare for what meta you thought would show up? So I, I took the new Shadeborn. And uh, there, there's two reasons for that. First off, I really like the new warbands that came with Nether Maze. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought both of them explored some new design space. Uh, I, I don't know whoever's in charge at uh, Games Workshop, but I'm pretty sure doing the new rats in uh, with references to Cobra Kai was specifically done just to make Derek happy. Uh, so thank you to everybody that did that. My my rats are actually uh, my my rats are actually painted uh, with Cobra Kai geese. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> the yellow and black is sick. That's yeah, cool. So uh, you know, I'm I'm constantly going sweep the leg. There you uh, go. Whenever I can play that. Uh, so that side of it, and then with the Shadeborn. Uh, I I had taken the Cauldron of Blood from AOS and used that as a display stand uh, for Morgway's Blade Coven. Mm-hmm. And so it looked really good. And then, uh, as, as some people know, uh, Path to Glory has a Patreon. Mm-hmm. And it is probably one of the best resources for anything Underworlds. Uh, and it's super low cost for the privilege. Now, uh, Amon did for for all the listeners. Amon did a uh, pre, I guess a pre deck build or a, uh, what? How how did you describe it when you did your initial deck build for this? Yeah, first of all, I appreciate the compliment. I really do. Um, yeah, so one of the end phase episodes is was one where he, um, we all kind of broke up the new warband. So Jason did Skaven, Zach did Exile Dead, and I did the Shadeborn. And the idea was build a championship deck like your first like thought and try to make it as, you know, up to date and as, as well as you could. Um, and then just share that with the patrons. That's right. So uh, what I did was use that as my uh, starting base and then got in a, a few games, uh, lots, lots with Jesse, uh, a couple with Yuri uh, who's on, on Vassal quite a bit. Uh, and then with uh, some more, more chatting with other gamers and decided that you know what i've got uh, a really nice display base for them already uh because they they look great on that culture of blood uh and i i actually got uh, matt's wife alex to paint them up for me she did it i want to say in three days because uh we we didn't have a lot of time between the nether maze release and the alberta classic uh so she got it done just uh quickly and efficiently I I drilled in magnets to put it on the cauldron. Uh, it really had something that that looked sharp and was new, ready to go. Uh, in terms of why uh, game wise or, or competitively, why I took them, uh, they've got about three or four cards that I think need to be on the restricted list uh, pretty quick. Oh really? Oh, yeah. And I, I've noticed that uh, Underworlds is sometimes a little bit slow in getting these on there. And so because of that, I, I felt, you know what, I can be cheeky. A lot of people probably won't have seen them. Uh, I can jump around with uh, the leader and her sidekick uh, and do a whole lot of murdering. I love that. Now, 
you talk about some of these, um, you know, so A, you like the Warband, you think it's cool, you know, you were able to build a deck very quickly and um, get a lot of games in. What do you think, when playing those games, made you realize, like, yeah, this is the one I wanted? Like, was it a very early choice or, and the reason I asked this question is because the three wounds is tough. Mm-hmm. And a four-man Warband, you know, like you have that Purifier Syndrome, but the purifiers have more defensive stats, so they can kind of make up with that, especially with that Aether Ports reroll. How do you feel with the Warband here? Well, so the uh, – and it's funny because it's Dark Elves. So you're looking for those soft targets. Uh, and it, it means getting a, a couple plink damage. If you're going against uh, an elite or a four-person team, uh, then chances are they've got three or four wounds. You'll be able to plink, get an early inspire. Uh, and if there, what, what was interesting is that there were more objective war bands uh, in the tournament than I expected, uh, which meant that uh, the, the leader was actually able to jump back into into the back lines and wreck havoc and really disrupt uh, their game plan. Uh, so, so what was interesting for me was when I, I saw just the sheer mobility uh, and with some of the new cards like Ever Downwards and Shadow Revelation and Sudden Re- or Shadow Elimination and Sudden uh, Revelation, mm-hmm. that there was a lot of passive glory that you can get uh, while that lets you gear up your fighters. Uh, and along with that, the synergy with cover is is huge. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you the the biggest thing that I learned almost right away is protect your leader. Make sure that uh, Shade Stalker can't get uh, one shot in uh, off the bat because that two dodge without cover, uh, you know, she's only got four four damage there, which is pretty durable. But that, in some cases, that means that uh, you you can take two hits and you're done. And that actually happened to me twice in the tournament. You know, I, really? I lost uh, Shade Stalker in the first round. And then had to spend the rest of the game, uh, you know, depending on uh, Drusilla quite a bit, but really trying to scattershot my way through it. Yeah, yeah. And it's really, I think that's a nice aspect of the Warband in that, you know, if Drusilla, sorry, if uh, Slythel goes down early, Drusilla can be like a mini leader, mm-hmm. which is a nice um, um, backup plan. It's certainly not one that you want to rely on, but it certainly helped me in a couple of my games as well. So, that's cool. So you, you like them. Um, and to answer the question, do you think that they have too little wounds? Like, do you think they're a little flimsy? Uh, so in terms of balance, no. Uh, I like that uh, the the three backup dancers all only have three wounds. I actually didn't take Great Fortitude or any other plus one wounds. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a couple reasons. First, uh, with the change to large fighters are now five wounds instead of six. Yep. I didn't ever want to give up uh, that two glory because I thought we might be tight. Uh, and I also want to focus more on offense and more uh, manipulating the cover mechanics. So uh, besides the objectives, uh, which all, almost all of them uh, were, were big on staying in cover or keeping cover uh, at the end of the round, but uh, even all of the, almost all of the upgrades, you know, Nether Defense, Abyssal, Sumner, Voidling, which uh, honestly I'll, I'll put as number one to get restricted, aided by darkness, uh, all abyssal guidance, all, all these things that depend on cover, 
along with the ploys that let you jump into cover as needed, uh, became, became extremely important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a very interesting choice. I, I feel like sometimes like in my games now, I've kind of come to a spot where I wish I take a great fortitude on Slythel, but it always, always, always ends up being something where I'm like, ah, she's going to die anyways. Right. Yeah. Um, so you really have to invest in that and those restricted slots if you really want to. So that's a good call. Um, very similar um, uh, ideas to um, some of the ideas we talked about, you know, pre-Alberta. Um, do you mind shedding your deck to me really quickly? I, just, oh, I thought I had it. I thought I had seen it, but um, I think maybe it was over a, a Discord call rather than a, a link itself. But. Um, I'm going to ask you specific questions about that. The last question I have before we jump into um, kind of a breakdown of the event, if you will, is you mentioned that you think they have some very strong cards, um, cards that you think should be restricted. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on that um, and specifically why you think some of those cards should be hit. Sure. So uh, let's see. First off, I I would actually – so I I also believe a lot more cards – should be restricted than they are, uh, especially faction ones. Mm. As uh, you know, I, I've I've been big on wanting any post attack reaction. Uh, I think they should all be restricted, whether it's a plus one damage or a minus one damage or a send damage to another fighter. Uh, I've always believed that. Uh, I think that the easy to score two glory uh, cards should be. Uh, so, so if I if I had my way, uh, mm. the restricted list would probably be double or maybe two and a half times uh, what it currently is throughout the game. So when when I say this, there there are going to be a lot of people that that say, oh, you know, th this isn't that good. It doesn't need to be restricted. But you know, because uh, none of the cards were restricted uh, from from the Shadeborn. It allowed me to first off take contest of equals, dual wits, and silent helm, which uh, honestly could go into any deck. And, really could. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of sorry, and, and I realize this is a long answer to an easy question. Uh, the the first one, of course, is voidling. Uh, so rolls of half support of success in the fighter's attack actions if the target is, fighter is adjacent to or in a cover hex. And then rolls of half support are successes in this fighter's defense role if this fighter is adjacent to or in a cover hex. So you you effectively will almost always have uh, that half support uh, in attack and defense. Uh, it's it's a great card. It was one of the first ones to take it, but it's uh, definitely a good one there. Um, let's see the the next one that I would re I really think should be in there. Which one is this? Uh, impenetrable darkness, uh, just because it it gives your entire team cover, uh, for that round, uh, which combined with all the things that give you bonuses for cover, uh, and let's see, I think there was a tel uh, a ploy teleport, which smoke and merce. Sorry, which smoke and merce? Uh, was that the one? No, There's that's one that's one, vanishing the gloom too. Yeah, that's the one where you switch fighters, which which I took advantage of too. Yeah, but the one. big one is uh, yeah, vanishing to gloom, where effectively you just get to teleport them around. Uh, in it, and if they were in a cover hex, which you're almost always in a cover hex, uh, then you get to uh, throw them into another one. So 
uh, one of the one of the really interesting parts about it. And then the the last one that that I would suggest, but maybe I'm on the fence on, is Coiling Darkness. Uh, so that's a two glory if you have two or more friendly fighters in cover hexes, and one or more of those friendly fighters uh, made one or more attack actions. So uh, th those are the ones that I would suggest, just because uh, that objective is extremely easy and it synergizes with the plan, uh, as well as the other ones. But that that might be going too hard. And and honestly, to come back to Ripas, there are about six cards that I want uh, restricted from from Ripas as well. Yeah, so it's uh, you know it, it, that that's just my my view on it. But those those would be the ones that I, I would look at first. Yeah, it's a very interesting conversation. I think far lists and, and and restrictions and you know what cards you want to forsake and limit because everyone has their own opinion, right? And it's very interesting because it's based on mostly their their experience in the game um, and and games previous to this. So it sounds like you're a more um, stricter proponent of or not stricter, but more um, loose supporter of the far list, and that you know more cards the merrier. Yeah. The more restrictions, the better for the game. Well, as long as they make sense. As long as they make sense, yes. Because there are people that uh, that I've also spoken with, and I'm sure you have as well, who are like, I wish there was no far list, or you know, I feel like there are too many cards already on the far list, and there need to be less. Um, and it's really interesting how those opinions are formed and then shared and then communicated and debated, you know, wherever it is they are. Um, and and so in the vein of that, in this example, I would actually disagree with you. Okay. Yeah, I um, just based off my experience, I think. I wouldn't hit any of those cards. The one <laughs> card that I would hit in your list would be Darkening Stone. Yeah. Okay. So, so that is a uh, universal and, and yeah. you know, Darkening Stone and Wasteland, uh, which were two of the universal cards I that I took. I'd be okay with either of them. I, I'm sort of on the fence. Yeah. Uh, with that. Now, this is where again going back to uh, um, you you mentioned the wounds. And that's that's where I think that we have that balance, right? Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot of good cards. There's a lot of good synergy, but they do have that uh, weakness in wounds, if not defense, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually. This whole farless stuff. Um, let's let's move on to you know kind of the cards that you took in your deck. So you mentioned Wing Death, Duel of Wood, Silent Helm, your three restrictions, mm -hmm. um, and then you know Surges, Condus to be. Sorry, not Wing Death. I said Condes of Equals, Duel of Wood, Silent Helm. Wing Death makes a lot of sense. You can teleport off the board super easy. Um, Ever Downwards makes a lot of sense. Shadow Elimination, putting a lot of stock in your leader, but it makes a lot of sense. Southern Revelation is easy. Horrors in the Dark is one. And this is going to tie in with Fearless Seekers, which is in your end phase. Mm -hmm. What is your um, reasoning behind that, given the fact that your Warband is a little fragile? So, and, and it's funny that you mentioned it. Uh... I, I was able to get a lot of reps in, uh, but after the cutoff to submit decks, I realized that uh, Horrors in the Dark, Sudden Revelation, Chum the Waters, and uh, maybe even Fearless Seekers, I probably would have switched out for others. Uh, just because the, the two things that I realized uh, going in was either I'd be playing against someone that would want to brawl. So say if I was against Crimson Court or Magor's Fiends, uh, then getting my getting two of my fighters into position to get that was uh, to score those was going to be pretty hard. 
or I was against an, uh, an objective-based warband that was going to do everything that they could to be holding those objectives anyway. Uh, so it, it, they, they came out and they pulled off uh, enough that they were able to score, but they were definitely harder than I expected them to be. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's always one of like the, uh, the interesting pitfalls when going into a tournament. And it's like, Oh, I halfway through the tournament, you realize like what cards are like the ones you really want and you really don't. Um, and that just comes with more and more reps. So that goes right. back to just. And part of what I had wanted to do was, uh, have, have all my objectives that didn't mm-hmm. rely on kills. Yeah. Uh, because I was expecting, I, I didn't run into uh, one Crushes player. Uh, I, there, there was certainly Crimson Court and Magors, but uh, neither of them were, uh, you know, I was, I was able to slice them down. Uh, so I, I think if I rethought it, I would have focused a little bit more on the killing as opposed to the passive glory, uh, mm-hmm. which I, especially when... Uh, as a plane against the the ghost or the goblins uh, that that I had, or and I didn't run into either the sepulchral guard players uh, that were in there, but it would have been nice to have those bonus glory for killing those little two petitioners, you know. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one card that I maybe thought would have been you would have taken was in cold blood, just because. Yeah. They're all assassins, but I get the idea of not relying on kills. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and um, that's the only reason. And if if I if I do this again, uh, it'll likely be in there. Yeah, um, one of the cards, uh, two cards that are very interesting to me. Um, we talked about uh, the, the supports, you know, aided by darkness. Sorry, not aided by darkness. Um, Master, nope. What is the card? Huh. Maybe I maybe I imagined it. No, that's actually I was looking at my deck. <laughs> Abyssal Summoner and Abyssal Guidance both or aided sorry, what am I doing here? Yeah, so uh Voidling. Yeah, so Voidling, uh like I said, that that's just such a standout card. It just specifically mentions half support. Yeah. But Abyssal Summoner says you have an additional supporting fighter. That's correct. So with a fighter with I, I so my question is Voidling and Abyssal Summoner would just they wouldn't double up because Voidling just gives you the the, the actual side on the dice as support, but Summoner. Oh, that's actually, a, that's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, which was one of the things. So if you notice, and this is uh, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, if you notice when uh, uh, Shade Stalker and Drusilla. Uh, when they inspire, they both have uh, three dice. Mm-hmm. So more often than not, uh, what I would do is throw one on one and then one on the other. Mm. And that way, uh, especially for Drusilla, you're effectively throwing at three hammers, right? Three smash, yeah. Uh, great. Uh, the swords and uh, swords and the supports there, uh, which which I found was was really important there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and it seems like you know you went for a little bit of more of a ping damage build because you've got rippling darkness and suffocating mist. So it looks like you know you did lean into that aggro. You were trying to get into the enemy board, be a little bit more aggressive, which I think is really useful. Um, one of the pitfalls I found playing my deck, um, I was play I was paired up against uh, Compact in the Vassal League playoffs was 
Um, he he outpassed me, mm. and my deck was like semi-passive. Um, I like playing like that hybrid play where I, if you need if you're the beatdown, I'm fine. But if I have to beat that, be the beatdown, I'm fine as well. And um, it was really interesting because I was like, oh man, I have to I have to get in there and um, and just be the aggressor. But then like he's it's really easy for him to get to three damage, you know. So it was really to me, I was like, oh that that's it. Like Shadeborn, that's their weakness. Right. is passive, stronger warbands that hit harder. Um, so I'm very curious to see how your games roll out, but it looks like you've got a strategy, you've got an idea here. So why don't we set the stage for the event, right? Tell me how many people showed up for for day two, which is the championship yeah. event. Yeah. So And what did your games look like? Sure. So we, we had 25 total. Uh, we had uh, four rounds. Like I said, uh, it, it was decided to just do four rounds as opposed to doing a, a day one and then a cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that allowed, you know, a, a separate Rivals Plus. And that way, for, for the few people, because there were a few people that only showed up one day as opposed to another. And uh, one of the other sides of it was that Matt Penner uh, TO'd the championship side. And I nice. actually TO'd the Rivals Plus side. Awesome. Uh, and, and that way... Uh, Matt got to play uh, where he wanted to play, and I got to play where I wanted to play. So, so that uh, that worked out really nice there. Uh, it was at uh, it was hosted at the Ogre's Den Gaming Club, which is uh, I, you know, one one of uh, three uh, really supportive uh, independent game stores. Uh, they their space holds got at least. 350, 400 people. Uh, oh, wow. That's oh, a huge. It's store. Huge. You know, I, I would show up there on, on Magic Days uh, when, when they have their, their competitive card playing games and they, they just pack them in there. Uh, you know, and, and then I say, hey, you know, you, you've got a fancy looking card. I've got fancy cards plus a mini. There you uh, go. And uh, apparently getting Magic players to even play different formats is tough enough. They don't mm-hmm. want to jump to other games at all. <laughs> no, so I, I, that, yeah. that recruiting pool does not work. It just no. No, I, I was talking to somebody yesterday. I was like, "Oh, you you like card games?" And they're like, "Yeah." I was like, "Oh, so you're playing Magic?" They're like, "Well, I played Commander," and I'm like, "I don't know what that means." Yeah. I was like, "Is that a different?" I was like, "Is that a format?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's a format of Magic." And I was like, "How many ma- like, formats are there?" He's like, "There are a lot." And I was like, oh, "Do you play any other formats?" He's like, "No, Commander's the only game for me." And I was like, cool. And I was like, all right, have a good day. So that's really funny you have that experience. Yeah. Because I literally went through that yesterday. <laughs> no, so, uh, so yeah, so we, we got there. Uh, like I said, Matt was uh, TOing the tournament. Uh, he, it, it was quite funny because uh, there, there were a lot of people <clears throat> with a lot of experience uh, in, in terms of rules. Uh, David Lancaster, who, who runs the Vassal League, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Matt and David had had probably chatted about any sort of rulings that uh, David come come across uh, during Vassal, and let him know, hey, this might come up. This is how I ruled it. You do whatever you want. Matt, uh, to his credit, sort of went through all the things he thought he would run into, and then uh, made it public what the ruling would be ahead of time, and then uh, did a open call. Hey, do you have any questions about something that we should all know about ahead of time? Uh, so that that was really good. It, it probably saved time later, uh, which was good because rounds were only 100 minutes. 
so you you real uh, was it ninety minutes or a hundred? I I think it started at ninety, but uh, they they decided to cut down on on the lunch break. That makes uh, sense. Make it who needs uh, food? Yeah, make it an hour forty, uh, so that everybody had the extra ten minutes. So it it everybody was sort of uh, everybody knew that you would be pressed for time. Uh, yeah. if, if it went to three. So that actually leads in to a couple questions from me and a patron question as well. So, you know, we talk about Underworlds being this like fast paced game, 90 minutes, but like over recent years, especially with recent warbands, the complexity of the game has gone up, right? And it, it's still simple, right? But it's just a little bit more steps or rules that you have to consider, you know, or flipping with Delve, um, Exile Dead, moving like eight miniatures every activation, um, so on and so forth. So, what is your concept on the timing of standard events, which are still 90 minutes? Um, they just had one at Warhammer World, right? 90 minutes. And then I've noticed that at more independent, non-GW run tournaments, um, at least the events are not hosted by GW, but GW may still run their individual tournaments. Um, those are those are around 90, sometimes bumped to you know 110. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the sweet spot is for the game? Was 100 enough for you? Do we think we need to bump this game up? And do you think Underworlds is moving away from the fact that it is a fast-paced game to more of a slow-paced game? So uh, to answer your second question first, uh, yeah, I, I think there definitely is some rules bloat, uh, especially with the new warbands and the new design space. Because after all, when, when you have a mechanic like Stagger, you want to make a Stagger warband, which is great for the new rats, uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, if you want to make uh, a new take on the Undead Swarm, yep, those Exiled Dead are, are awesome for that. But it means that you need to find uh, new and different ways of playing them just so it's not uh, a repeat of each Warband. And after all, the, the way that this game stays healthy is Games Workshop releasing new models and new Warbands, so they've got to mm-hmm. expand into it. So I... That being said, it does add uh, a lot more to the games. It does slow them down. Uh, it, it has definitely caused us to lose players uh, in our meta and I think worldwide because it, just like having the, uh, the investment cost or, or the monetary cost to keep up with championship, uh, there, there's also the input cost uh, that goes into understanding all the new rules and keeping up with that. So uh, do, do I like that the game is, is in flux and that there are things getting added? Yeah, it's awesome. Do I want to figure out a way to streamline it now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, with that being said, 90 minutes uh, or 140, I, I think that 140, 145 uh, would probably be the sweet spot right now because then both sides are expected to uh, get into, get their games in. Uh, and, and it's that social contract that both sides are, are expected to do their best to do it. Yeah. Do you, do you think Underworlds is, is kind of moving away from the charm that the first two seasons presented it? Very much so. Yeah. It, and you think that's the reason why some people have left? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we could probably do a whole episode on uh, what, what we want to see improved in the game. So I, I don't mm-hmm. want to get too much into that weed. Uh, yeah, but sure. if uh, if you wanted to do Captain Murder Part Two, uh, I would love to guest on it here for half an hour, and we can uh, just talk about things things that we think need to change for season seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. And we can definitely do that. And and I would like to say that I think this might be Captain Murder part two or three at this yeah, point. Yeah, you've I, been I, on here before a couple we've times. We've chatted a few times. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've chatted personally quite a bit. But, um, okay, cool. So that answer is a patron question from Bridie. So hope you got the answer there. Um, so let's talk about games. You know, so four rounds. Is it cut to a final? No, there there was no cut. It was just uh, four rounds. So uh, so every game counted. And that's every right. Score counted, and that that was game losses count too. At that and point, game losses definitely count. Yeah. yeah, I remember the old one day Grand Clash days. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about game one. So you've got Shadeborn. You're aggressive. You got a lot of ping damage. You want to be in enemy territory. What do you match up first? So my first match is actually against uh, Amanda from London, Ontario. She's part of the uh, Game Night Robbery team uh, out there that's based in Game Night uh, Game Night Leagues, which uh, is a great store in London, Ontario, just outside of Toronto. So if you're there, say hi to Tristan and the boys and, and definitely give them support. Uh, and she came in with some beautiful uh, looking thorns of the Briar Queen. Uh, she came in with uh, essentially a lantern that had some really, really well-painted uh, ghosts in there, and then the lantern lit up. Uh, so it, Oh, that's it, cool. Oh, man, I, I was crazy impressed with, uh, with the, the presentation there. Uh, and, and then uh, in our, our first game, uh, you know, she she knew what she was doing. She had uh, Varklov and and the Queen and the Ever Hanged Up and the little ghosts were capping on objectives. And I was like, well, crap, I can't jump around and cover back there and snipe some ghosts. So so I actually had to have a Donnybrook with, uh, with the Queen and Varklov. Uh, so that made things interesting. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. There, so, there are no slouches in combat either. They, they aren't at all. And so because of that, and uh, there was, I want to say the second, the second round, or I'm sorry, yeah, the, the second round of the first game, uh, she, she was on her objectives. And I'm like, okay, you know, maybe she has supremacy. I can't really knock him off. And she not only had supremacy, she had primal, or primal supremacy or, or whatever the one is where you have supremacy plus primacy. Yes. Yeah. Supremacy plus primacy. So yeah. And that's crazy. That's like yeah, six glory. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think she she had uh, another another one. She got seven from that one. And then all of a sudden I'm down by five going into the third round. Wow. So, so we're we're scrapping, and I I finally took down the queen. Uh the that and that was the big thing. We're having that malleable uh, from mm-hmm. became so huge. Uh, because I was able to eventually cut down the queen. I don't think I ever took down Varklov, uh, but then sent uh, Bull Shadestalker Andrew Silla into the backfield to try and peg off some ghosts. Uh, and that uh, I, I was able to uh, do the shadow flight with Drew uh, in order to get onto the back line uh, and then peg one of the ghosts and then used uh, a teleport to teleport Shade Stalker onto that cover hex the next the next turn, and then use that to snipe a couple other ghosts. Uh, so we we ended that one uh, with 
uh, we were tied, but I ended up on more objectives and uh, was able to. So, so first game of the wow. whole thing, and I and I almost lost it right away. Right? Yeah, it's um, incredible. So yeah, so that was very close. Uh, the the second game uh, went after realizing that okay under no circumstances can i allow three ghosts on objectives uh that that made things a, a little bit easier I, I i forget if i had a choice of objectives or, or boards in the second game but i set it up uh so that it'd be a lot harder for her to get that uh this time and then uh immediately had uh slylark camp on an objective which was great because he could always ping someone if if I needed to with his spell and the fact that uh, she's sending her ghosts onto objectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also meant that I I had one guy at least on cover uh, for if she was trying to come over and, and go after my backfield. That uh, and, and really that one dodge, but with a reroll, is really good because it lets you know uh, did you get a dodge, but the person going after you has a crit? Okay, well, you need to re-roll that. Uh, so it uh, that shadow mark uh, was really, it, it came in handy a couple times in that game. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I almost feel like the queen is is very scary to deal with. Even, I think, does Varklav restrict or inspire to three damage as well? Um, he might not. I think he goes to three smash, but mm-hmm. the queen inspiring to... Three, three, three damage. I think it's pretty powerful. Yeah, um, Varklav actually goes to three damage, two smash yeah. as well. So that that right there is really risky because if you go in for a kill, right, and the range two helps a little bit. Yeah, but if you go in for a kill and then they have a push or mm-hmm. you know they want to get next to you, then it's it can be very difficult to weather that storm. And so you you know game one sounds like it's really close. Some things went your way. And then game two, I think you just got really aggressive and started killing some stuff pretty that, quickly. That's right. Yeah, I, I sort of, you know, I, I really had to learn on the fly uh, yeah. in a lot of games here. And it's really interesting because, like, you probably never practiced the Thorns matchup. No, you know? not at all. Yeah, yeah. So that's a really interesting thing about this game is there's just so many warbands now you can't you can't practice against everything. Yeah. So um, that's cool. So a two zero victory in yeah. the game round all, one. All of them did go to two zero. Oh, spoilers. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, yeah, spoilers. you do have the, the Canadian champion on. So, I mean, they, they've got an idea how the movie ends here. Uh-oh. Spoilers. Yeah. All right. Well, yes, Derek. Derek did win with Shadeborn. Very happy, by the way, because I wanted Shadeborn to get a dub somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a lot of uh, detractors online, so I'm glad you did the dub here. But let's talk about round two. Sure. So round two was against Damien, uh, who's out of Vancouver. Okay. Uh, definitely one of the community leaders or community heroes out there. Uh, so big shout out to him. He he made the trip up. And originally, uh, the, the Vancouver team was going to come out for the 2019 Alberta Classic or 2020 Alberta Classic. COVID uh, sort of got in the way. And then the weekend that it got rescheduled to, there was actually an avalanche uh, in the mountains, so it prevented uh, the BC guys from coming out to Alberta for it, uh, just because the roads were blocked. So wow. it was really cool uh, seeing seeing them there, uh, and and that got our our Canadian coast to coast representation uh, there, which which was really cool. Uh, and so Damien was rocking the corn, uh, the Magor's fiends, uh, who I I always have a soft spot for. Uh, what, what was interesting about it 
was that it it was a very uh as you might imagine uh a big in your face going to smash your deck but also wanted to i i'm pretty sure he had fearless seekers and ever downwards and southern revelation and shadow illumination as well so he was trying to do many of the same things that i was trying to do uh get get over to the other person's territory uh get get some flips for passive glory have a couple fighters on the other objectives and uh and then just murder the other person right so uh with with that, one of the one of the things that I realized right away is that if we try and brawl, he's going to outbrawl me, right? Uh, but one of the disadvantages with some of the older warbands is that they uh, they'll have cleave, but they won't have ensnare. Right. Uh, so so that was good. So I would always get my defense. So definitely hugging the shadows, uh, as you call it, or or keeping keeping to the darkness was essential on that one because it meant that I'd either get that extra defense with nether defense or the support through voidling uh, or, or even uh, mask of shadow mirrors uh, was, was really good uh, to keep, uh, keep everybody standing because even once uh, really what, what the, what the fiends want to do is get a successful hit wherever it is. So right. if they've got two hammers on uh, a fighter with shadow mark, uh, it's it's still a 50-50, right? Uh, yep. So you, you have a good chance of avoiding that. So on on that game, uh, you know, both, both of us had very much the same game plan. And by the second round, and this happened both games, by the way, uh, we, we always set up one or two. Uh, I, I think we both set up the objective and the cover. And to, to Damien's credit, he was like, yeah, I'm still going to do cover. I'm like, okay. And uh, he, he would immediately march uh, a couple guys onto tokens on my side. I would immediately try and get a, a couple ladies on tokens on his side. And uh, then, then we'd uh, brawl back, uh, back towards each other. Uh, so it, it made for, for a really interesting couple games there. I like that. Yeah. Did you? Was there ever a point where you felt like you were going to kind of – because at some points, it sometimes feels like some matchups can be really dice-dependent, right? Yeah. And, and, and McGlory's is – Yeah, that definitely was one of them. Uh, you know, there there were a couple where uh, he he was going for a, a pretty good Death Star shot uh, on one of my fighters on cover, and he had loaded it up. And it, it was definitely a uh, – the, the dice went my way, that, that one. Uh, one of the one of the interesting things that resulted from that game that I, I really remembered. So I got uh, cryptic clues and uh, shadows deepen uh, on uh, on my uh, on my list. I also have chum the waters, which I, I'll talk about in a bit. But uh, because I had those, quite often if he was killing a fighter, he would kill the fighter that wasn't in cover. Uh, and so that that wind up wound up making a, a little bit of my decision making easier there because mm-hmm. I didn't mind losing a fighter. Yeah, I lose the glory for it, but it means that I don't need to spend an activation or spend a card getting that fighter onto a cover hex or right. giving them darkening stone to to make sure that they have it. Uh, on the flip side of it, chum the waters. Which if I did it again, I might ch- change that out for uh, great gains. 
uh, because great games. I, I would have scored, I want to say, every damn round. But Chum the Waters was definitely trickier. Uh, but in, in that one, I scored at both games uh, just because four wound fighters take a bit to kill. Yep. And uh, make, and he, he was always trying to get on objectives there. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so cool. So it sounds like, you know, both games went your way aggressively. And, and, and that's one of the strong things about, uh, you know, people who may be unfamiliar with Shadeborn is that, you know, you want to be on cover hexes all the time. And so sometimes when I'm trying to score like a fearless, um, like a cryptic clues or um, uh, coiling darkness, for example, or even the shadows deepen, right? I'm just like, all right, I'll just kind of charge a fighter out there because I know there's no way they'll get yeah. on a cover hex, or I'm trying to avoid one of my other fighters taking a hit. So what I'll try to do is I'll charge into an enemy's cover hex if they're not available. I'll just kind of team up like free kill, go for it. Because yeah. yes, you, like as you mentioned, and this happened to you, right? You lose the glory, but then you make like six. So right. plus and- five is worth it. Yeah, and, and really, especially for uh, uh, Valsilla, Valsilla the, mm-hmm. the new combo lady. Uh, so throwing her up there onto a cover hex to throw her attacks, if she gets her second attack and gets to inspire because of it, because she's thrown an attack against someone that got wounded from the first attack, then great. If she doesn't, that's fine. Either way, she, she is definitely the dangle babe. Uh, out of out of this team because she'll she'll just be flying up there to either murder or get murdered as the case may be. Yeah, and she's a really interesting fighter because she um, it's it's really interesting because like if that first attack hits, which is always it never hits for me, but even if it does, it's like do I take the really weak combo attack or do I just drive them back? It's always like a conversation you want to have with yourself because at one point it's like well if I take the attack. I can inspire myself, but at the same time, she's, you know, three wounds, two dodge. It's not the most impressive stat line in the world if you're not on cover. So you could also just get nuked very quickly. So I think about that a lot. Um, There was one game I played recently um, where um, Slythel and uh, Drusilla like insta died by some gits very quickly. And so I like put every upgrade I could on her. So she's like, for Fury, you know, with a counting half supports, with a reroll, um, at three damage with combo hitting into, you know, whatever. And that was fun, um, but she ultimately died and I lost the game. But it was, it's cool because the one game where she did actually land an attack for me, she like killed half the warband, which was fun. Yeah. Uh, so that's really interesting. Do you find her to be like your Arnulf, if you will? My, my dangle bait. Yeah, Dangle Babe. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. No, that's that's what she is. I I use Slylark uh, to camp a, a backfield objective or cover hex, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, uh, Umbreal to run up there, uh, do a little stabbing, get stabbed, and uh, then then Shadestalker and Drusilla will will do their their range to jump and stab and jump and stab. I like that. I like that a lot. So this is this actually, sorry the the one the one thing I wanted to mention because uh, there are lots of warbands out there that do have the equivalent of a distraction. Uh, so one of the things that I noticed very early on was that when your team is on cover hexes, uh, in a lot of cases they're not using their distraction because they're waiting for you to flip to an objective for whatever reason. 
So uh, instead of delving, you say pass, and uh, they'll they'll play either play what they want, or in a lot of cases, they're happy with the game state as it is and won't play that uh, hypnotic buzz that's in their hand mm-hmm. uh, because they're like, well, I, I don't care if you're just on cover, not realizing that I have about six cards that, that require being on cover. Yeah. Uh, so it it worked once, but uh, against people with a, a lot of experience, I, I don't think uh, the, the the hold on to your hypnotic buzz strategy is going to work very well. Yeah, it's really interesting because, like, you know, you mentioned a lot of people want to hold objectives. Yeah. But it's also, like, a lot of times I won't use a hypnotic buzz because everybody has cover of darkness. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, like, unless they proactively use it, this is just, yeah, you can bait out the card and get it over with. But then you're also kind of, you know, not maximizing your your distraction. So that's one thing. But it also goes in being said is that if you can, you know, if you can find a new warband and, and get grips with it very quickly and then go to an event that's very near the release date, you can do really well with it because a lot of people aren't really familiar with what they can or can't do, right? And so there's a there's a uh, a benefit. It's a high risk, high reward because you might not exactly you know master the warman in the time frame as well. So 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 what was actually interesting uh, that was Damien's only loss on the day. Uh, oh, okay. He, and he he had a very strong day. Uh, at the end of it, he wound up placing second. With fiends, uh, yes, with fiends. That's impressive. Yeah, That's he awesome. he went on a bit of a murder spree. Uh, yeah, you guys love aggro. There's such nice people out there. You guys always choose and, violence. And he's a Vancouver guy. You know, he, uh, he's not even part of our. He's our, a West Coast. Meta. He he just was like, well, where it went when in Rome or or when in Berta. When in murder. Yeah. <laughs> murder. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Looks like you have been spreading corns. Oh, it's true. Corn's uh, beliefs out there. So you're into lunch now. You're two zero. Yeah. Um, so at this point, you're matching into other two zero players. Did you have an idea of who you think you would run into, or was it just kind of cat bag was still wide open type? So here, here's what's funny. Uh, I I knew uh, there. So between uh, Jesse Pompowski, uh, uh, David Lancaster, Yuri. Um, there's a couple other people that were just having really strong days. Uh, I, I knew that it, it was going to be a, a dogfight, literally, to do yeah. the rest of it. Um, so, yeah. When, Those are all strong names, too. They all do. Oh, I know. It's, uh, they, they, it, you know, for, for a landlocked province, uh, we were definitely in the shark tank. Yes. Uh, so, so go go to lunch. Um, now, this, this is... And, and I almost feel that I betrayed myself. I decided I was not drinking that day. Oof. Oh. And I got to tell you, man, friends do not let friends shades by our sober. Because no. I'm, I'm thinking way too much. I'm not relaxing. I, I'm analyzing every move. And boy, all I wanted was a beer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so uh you know so so for lunch and what's nice about Augustan there there's a couple good pubs and then there's actually a local brewery and barbecue place that we did go to during lunch uh for the Rivals Plus the day before hmm. uh called uh Toolshed Brewery um and so didn't didn't get my my Toolshed beer or my smoked brisket that day uh, which which was too bad, but okay. So you know, I had to rely on a subway wrap, you know, like like a I don't know, a plebeian. 
<laughs> so, so we get back in there and, and I'm matched up against Yuri. And for anyone that's played, uh, so Yuri, Yuri is from overseas. Yeah. Uh, and working, working in Alberta now. Uh, so whenever he's in town, uh, we, we really like getting together to, to go for a game. But otherwise he, he works, uh, up north in the territories. And so he, he plays a lot on Vassal. So anyone who's played against him on Vassal, you'll, you'll know that he, he certainly knows his stuff there. Yes. And, and he had brought gifts. So, uh, and he didn't give me a free cover hex. He, he declined to play some smart man. Yeah. He, he knew, he knew what was up. So, uh, you know, first move, uh, scurry some, scurry some gifts and get on, uh, get on the, the objectives. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, so what I had to do right away was get a uh, sly lark on an objective, uh, in order to camp it because I was sure, I, I was sure that he would have making a statement and infestation and supremacy and just all, all these, just the way that he's playing right away. Uh, and then he turned around and uh how how did it work he started off with a a goofy charge onto shade stalker that let him scurry his gets uh into a into a few objectives and it hit it it was a low odds attack but it, it cut through and then in the in his second action uh he sent a squig and an eight shade stalker in in the second activation of the first round Oh no! So it's uh, and so I'm I'm playing uphill uh for for the rest of it, uh so that so Drusilla really put in the work on that one, uh getting getting the kills. I had Greyblood doing the uh doing a, a decent amount of ping damage where I needed, and uh, I I also lost Umbriel uh pretty early on. Uh, because I, I needed to start uh, taking some gets off the board, and I, I think that her attacks failed, and then she got eaten by by the squigs too. So uh, you know, wound, wound up winning the uh, that first game only by one, and wow. uh, you know it it was very tight because I, I was able to block the making a statement and infestation, uh, which which I was lucky for. Then in in the second game, uh, what was interesting, I I realized that uh, with his illusions and his attack upgrades, uh, that a lot of his goal is to swarm, is to use a couple gets to cap objectives and then use everybody else to to swarm and and kill stuff. Yep. Uh, So I wound up longboarding him for that second game. Did you take three objectives that? Uh, he, he got the three objectives. He got the three objectives. Yeah. But, that's an uh, interesting decision, but it, I guess it gives you much more range on the jumping. That's right. And, and so I, I realized that I needed to do that. And then, uh, what I did with my first objective was put it in a place that I, I think he still did get, uh, three objectives on his side, but they were, they were definitely not in uh, a good position for him. Uh, so that, that helped, uh, and then it, it was right back into it. This time, uh, I was able to get, uh, Shade Stalker into his backfield, uh, stabbing some gets with that malleable spear and, and getting in snare. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I lost Umbriel right away. I was still able to get Slylark on, on an objective. So we're both scoring. It was a very high-scoring game. Uh, it came down to one really interesting bit, and I, I want to chat about this combo here. So uh, he tooled up a Mighty Swing and Phantom Fists. Uh, and then he, he had two, two of my murder girls ready, ready to go. Uh, so there is, where is this one? Uh, tenorable manipulation, which give one fighter, one shadow counter. Now it doesn't need to be a friendly fighter, right? It just says one fighter. Then that's, that's actually true. That's you're absolutely correct. That is true. And then I had Rippling Darkness. Oof. And so what happened was now his Git, instead of his uh, Phantom Fist uh, that he's about to do, uh, you know, a big mighty swing for, uh, he's now got his Two Fury. uh, Two Fury range three attack, so he can't even do it. That's incredible. Yeah. So it, it it was the luckiest luck of a draw that... I think could possibly ever have happened uh, because as, as everybody knows, if you take the damage while you have an illusion, you lose that. You lose the illusion. Right, right, right. Uh, That's incredible. It, it was incredibly lucky. Uh, it, it happened in the third round of, of a very tight game. Uh, every, everything else, you know, we, we were both missing attacks. We were both hitting attacks. Uh, Yuri is such an accomplished, just, just well done player. That uh, it, you know, skin of the teeth luck on on that one. Yeah, it's really interesting too because tenebral manipulation just says give one fighter. It doesn't say choose one fighter, right? That's right. So the choose wouldn't have done it. But then you get double redundancy with the two pin cards because it's choose one fighter, so that would have been chosen regardless. Mm-hmm. But then also with the ping damage, so that's incredible, man. That's really cool. Yeah, that's a cool combo. Yeah, so and and you know what I I didn't see it until I I see him loading up and uh didn't didn't realize that that was something that I could pull off there. Yeah, I haven't I haven't put two and two together like that. So it actually now that that's actually a potential combo. Mm-hmm. You can actually take more of like cover ping cards. Yeah. Which is probably why you doubled up. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, uh so so yeah, really close game there. And uh, then in, into the, uh, you know, you, whether you call it finals or, or whatever you want to call it, yeah. uh, is, is against the man from Edmonton, uh, Baird Arm, uh, David Lancaster. So you're both 3-0 at this point. Oh, yeah. And wow. uh, so he's got his Crimson Court. And like I mentioned yesterday, he had piloted his Crimson Court to win the Rivals Plus the day before. Uh, so he, he really he was really, going for a twofer. He, yeah, he, he is. He, he wants to come home. Uh, what, what do you call it? Edward glass hands, uh, you know, there you go. Be, be able to bring it in. So let me ask you something before we jump into it. Is this, this was before this is post far list, right? Uh, it yeah, the, it, it's after when all the hunger cards, uh, got hit. Yeah. Because yeah. we were talking about it post-Adepticon. He was like, yeah, thinking about taking Crimson Court, mm-hmm. talking about decklist and stuff. And then that far list happened, and I hadn't heard from him, so I thought he was going to switch warbands. But cool to see that he stuck with it. Yeah, no, he went with them. And, and they're also extremely well-painted, uh, yeah. which which was awesome. That's cool. 
So, uh, and, and in this game, uh, the dice definitely saved me on it. Uh, cause it started off. I, I did the, I did the usual, uh, charge, uh, charge gray blood onto, uh, an objective in order to, to cap one and take a pot shot cause he was within range three. Uh, not realizing that I, it would have been better to do a spell action. Uh, to start pinging damage, uh, mm-hmm. just because it it really wasn't a, a high odds attack, or or the dark lamprey would have been a much higher odds, and uh, and he he started off by putting guys on cover, uh, so it it would have been really good to do, and I, I realized, damn, you know, I, and and now that I had charged with him in that first round, I couldn't I couldn't uh, use the the dark lamprey later. Um, and so he he knew his game plan, uh, very similar to Damon's with Corn. He, he was uh, getting across the board uh, because he had Death's Domain. He had uh, lots of cards to that would take advantage of cover. But he Dave does a really really good job of straddling the goal of do you want to be bloodlusted or do you want to be inspired, right? And so uh, and and he changes it throughout the game. It's not just uh, a set. Hey, this guy I'm going to try and always keep inspired. This guy I'm always going to keep bloodlusted. And then the next game, it, it he might switch that around just to put right. on it. Uh, just exceptional, I, I guess, uh, game awareness on what he wanted to do. And uh, so then he he sends a a couple couple vamps uh, straight at Shadestalker, and she goes down and e- either the by the, at the end of the first round or start of the second. Uh, she was gone. So uh, so we, we go back to plan B, which is tool up uh, Drusilla, make sure that we're on cover to try and score the passives. But, uh, and then uh, along with that, uh, I, I think it was the first round for my last activation, uh, I, I wanted to get rid of uh, one of the cards that I had that wasn't going to score, but I had a couple. And so I wound up tossing out uh, Chum the Waters. And then in my next attack, he wound up going, putting one of his wounded vampires on, uh, on a cover back. Yeah. And I was like, ah, you know, so I'm, I'm, I, I was actually getting a little bit frazzled uh, at that one. I was like, crap, how am I going to do this? So uh, we're, we're going through the game and, you know, I, I get a lot of lucky dice rolls. Uh, and by the end of it, uh, Drusilla put in the, the work, uh, especially because now that she, she has that, uh, she, she got the Voidling and, uh, Abyssal Guidance. So she had the three dice. She had a reroll. Um, and Counting half supports. Yeah. Had, had the half supports. So it was, uh, really going on there. And, uh, yeah. And, and so, and threw on uh, Glory Seeker and great strength, so I, I think she was completely tooled up there. Uh, and as as we're going at it, she wound up killing uh, his entire team. And a couple of them, I, I want to say, got became uh, two Glory kills uh, because with uh, the Nosferatu big staff guy, uh, yeah, I, I Gare, Gare, um you know what's crazy, dude? I should I should know this. Um, yeah, no. it's uh, Gorath. There you go. So so Gorath, I believe that he was bloodlusted. So I got the two glory for that, and then he had put a uh, great fortitude. I I think 
uh, on his leader who, who got taken down. So in the end, we were 16-16, but his team was out. Uh, so so you win. So I win. Uh, so we go into the second game. Before we jump into that, it sounds like, um, you know, you mentioned luck and stuff that we, we can skip past that. I want to very curious about how he was playing his deck. Like what up? So he's giving wound upgrades. Is he doing any healing or his restricted cards? Do you know? Yes. All, all of it. Like he, he had everything he needed right then. He, he was yeah. so well, uh, the, the dice failed him a couple times and the dice really went well for me. Uh, he, he definitely had some healing in there. Uh, he had some plus one wounds. He had some damage. Uh, did he have the damage mitigation? Uh, yes. Yeah, it's yeah, worth I, it for them. Sure. I, I would, I would almost encourage you to have uh, Dave on here to to chat about uh, what he's been doing with the Crimson Court because they they are they are the scariest vampires that have ever jumped out of the shadows. Very and, interesting. And by the way, I also want to point out just because now, now that we're talking about Dave, as you and I know, he won the U.S. Open in Seattle. Uh, <laughs> For, for those of oh, no. y'all that don't know, uh, the U.S. Open in Seattle was scheduled, and then uh, the, the game organizers saw Dave coming, and they were like, you know what, we're not going to let our first U.S. Open be won by a damn Canadian. And so, so they canceled the entire event. You know, I'm sure that they disappointed hundreds and hundreds of Underworlds fans and so uh, we, we decided, uh, I, I believe, of, of all of us that were going there, that Dave would have won anyway. Uh, so I, I realized that y'all ducking us, uh, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to have the Alberta Classic, because all of you know, I think, that none of y'all Americans can beat us in Berta. There you go. All right. I was, I was pretty disappointed with the, uh, with the Seattle Clash cancellation. I know you guys were, too. We, we really were. Yeah, Dave was really disappointed. I remember talking to him about it. Um, what's really frustrating is I think they've also canceled the uh, finals in New Mexico. Yeah, I, I think so too. It, uh, all of a sudden, they they sure gone dark on that. So uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm really hoping that they're using sort of using this time to figure out how they're going to bring back competitive play and bring back organized play. Uh, and, and again, that's, that's going into a weed that we can, uh, chat about. We can talk about another yeah. day. Yeah. I just remember it was just like, it wasn't even announced. It was just, right. you know, players can sign up for the U S open and compete in the underworld's grand championship 2023. And I was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a bummer, but yeah. it is what it is. Right. Okay. And, and you know what? Cause, uh, I, I know you, because you had won Adepticon, so you had your invite there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would do anything short of a felony to get that same invite so we could uh, match up. But it's also in uh, Stephen Van's backyard. For anyone that remembers season one, season two, the Call of Shades. Yeah, Call of Shades. Uh, so I, I had already reached out to him, and and he, he was ready to host us and, and show us quite a time. So I, I think yeah. uh, we, we missed out on a few things there. He's a nice guy. I met him at LBO. Yeah. 2020. No. Uh, but yeah, so, so we go into game two and, uh, it's, it's going, it's, it's again, a very tight game. Uh, Mm -hmm. I, I don't lose shade stalker at the start, uh, which is good because we're, we're able to scrap it out a little bit better. And one, one interesting thing. So we had talked about, uh, the, the time limits 
And because I think both of us were, were being very conscious of what was going on on the board and decision-making, uh, at one point, I'm trying to figure out my next moves. And, and like a lot of people in Underworlds, you try and figure out your moves about two, three ahead. And uh, Dave actually said to me, hey, I really want us to get in the third game. Uh, do, do you mind if we, we play a bit faster? And, and you know what? He was absolutely right. And I, I appreciated him uh, saying that to me. Yeah. Uh, to let me know that, hey, I'm, I'm taking a long time in my decisions. Uh, it, I, I don't want to be seen as trying to use that uh, to my advantage. I'm, I'm there to play. Uh, and and I, I got to say to everybody, if, if you're playing against someone and, and you're feeling that they're going slow, whether, whether they're meaning to or not, if you politely just say, hey, we want to get in three games, uh, if you don't mind, can, can we make sure that we, we move fast here? Uh, I, I can't see any player uh, saying, no, you know, you're, you're offside asking. Uh, so it, as long as you're polite and, and just saying, hey, let's, let's do it for the game, I would really encourage everybody to, to say something as opposed to being frustrated uh, on the back end of it. So, completely agree. So completely I'm, agree. I'm, I'm really glad that David said that to me, and it, it made me realize that yeah, I, I definitely took the last two activations slow. We we played the we wound up getting in. Uh, you know, I, I was able to, to get a couple really good kills early uh, in that game and keep Shade Stalker up uh, so that she was able to uh, jump around, get the kills that were needed, and uh, so so pulled off that game. Which which gave me the tournament. Uh, we we wound up getting the games done in under an hour, uh, which was awesome. But uh, yeah, so it, it went for you know four rounds, two and zero oh each time uh, against. Uh, honestly, the the caliber of opponent at every level had had me scared. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, Yuri, Dave do really well online. Yeah, you know, second place you fought in the second round, and then you know, really good player in the first round, almost. Give you your first L off the bat. You gave me an L right away. Yeah. Um, for that second game with uh, with Dave, was it much the same where you just kind of kept him at bay with the range two and just got some kills in? Is malleable really important at that point? It extremely important. Uh, being able to, to have cleave on on all the attacks there, and uh, and then even with Enos, so there there was actually a really interesting one uh, where. He was, uh, it, it was the, I want to say the last activation. And Enos was bloodlusted. So had the, had the extra move uh, in order to fly across the board and go after, I, I, I think it was Grey Blood uh, that I put on. Uh, and I actually used the uh, smoke and mirrors. Uh, in order to teleport uh, Greyblood to the other side, to actually try and get him away from uh, from the vampires that had come onto my side, and uh, at at the end of that second game, I was just trying to not give up that extra glory because I knew it would be so tight. So I get him there, and then uh, he he does some some chicanery to get uh, Enos uh, bloodlusted and makes that charge. It it was a fifty fifty charge that I think uh, if he had gotten it, 
I don't know if he would have won, but it, instead of winning by three, I think I, I would have won by one, or maybe it would have even been tied. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, and it it was one of those 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 last shots that sometimes you make, sometimes you don't. On on that one, he didn't make it. Um, um, well, fortunately for me, unfortunately for him, right. uh, but it it made for two extremely tight games that came down to that last dice roll. You know. Yeah, those are always fun. They really are. Yeah, both players work, you know, play well, dice, yeah. you know, are fair throughout. Mm-hmm. And those pivotal moments, those are the most memorable, I think. Yeah. So, well, well played to you and well played to Dave. That's awesome. Congratulations. Um, I know that, uh, you know, since Matt rolled you with Ripples two years ago, you've been on a bit of a revenge tour. So I'm no, glad that no, I, got it back. I, I TO'd the last Alberta Classic. No, you, the one in nineteen. Uh, in twenty twenty, yeah. But there was one in nineteen. No, no, we we didn't have uh, an Alberta Classic then. Well, I was just talking smack. Yeah, no, and, and don't <laughs> put me wrong. That rolled me over a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. I'm really glad that uh, you won. It's a great win with a great warband. Um, one that I do think is a bit underrated, but also one that hasn't been quite figured out yet. Um you know, for the most part. So, or for, for, well, for the most part, they haven't figured out, but it's those like, I think they need one or two more cards to be, you know, top of the chain. But right now, um, I think they're in a pretty good spot. So, um, any final thoughts on the tournament before we jump into the meta? Oh, uh, you know what? Well run. Uh, I was really glad to, to see everybody that came in from all over for it. Uh, if, you know, I I just can't wait for Games Workshop to start supporting events. We uh, the the twenty twenty uh, Grand Clash was an official Grand Clash. This one was not. Uh, we got some some custom made shade glass trophies, which which looked great. Uh, you know, there there was one store in Calgary that had gone under, so uh, we actually got Jesse to uh, take a couple of the the OP quarterly uh, championship shade spires paint them into our best painted awards. So, uh, so that was cool. cool. So, you know, it, it was very much the, the community sort of came together, made sure that we had a great event. Uh, it, it was, it was a lot of effort, uh, to, to sort of step in where GWOP, uh, hasn't been. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to them taking that, that weight off of organizer shoulders in the future. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and, and even, you know, even in the case that maybe events are up and down over the next couple of years, if you can get enough people and you make an official request to G-Dub, they'll send you an official trophy. So, Well, they, they, they didn't go on this one. Yeah, but they didn't. No, not not telling you, but just, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, that, that's correct for for other people in the in the future. They, they are... They they have been generally pretty good, I, I think, uh, still recovering from COVID and getting the OP. Uh, yeah. Going. Yeah, I think 2023 will mark the year where, like, everything is full-blown. Because supposed to be at the end of this year, we're going to get, certainly for the next season, if and when it does release, we'll get organized support for that. And I think it's going to be huge for the Underworlds community because I think we're all spoiled by that yeah. and getting that stuff and that those trophies and the uh, the art. Mm-hmm. So that'll be, that'll be fun. Um, very briefly, just because I want to be respectful of your time, um, what... Do you think the meta is in a good spot right now? If, because I get 
I get mixed answers depending on who I talk to. Um, you know, I talk to people like Benny, right? And Benny's like, you know, hated Harrow Deep, loves Nether Maze, doesn't think there needs to be very many restrictions. Um, but then I talk to someone like Nick, um, who did really well in uh, in Warhammer World, and I talk to him about it, and I'm like, he's like, well, you know, Men is in a great spot, but there are a lot of warbands or cards that need to be tempered. Um, and we talk about cards that need to be hit and, and just thoughts in general. And so my question to you is without giving you any of their specific thoughts, do you feel like any warbands are problematic? And I use that term very loosely yeah. because, you know, it's just they're always one or two cards away from just being normal. Yeah. And then also, is is the meta in a good spot or do you want to see more restrictions on universal cards as well? Well, I so the, the big thing for me, uh, I would like any card that is a post-attack reaction. So whether it mitigates damage, does additional damage, uh, transfers damage. Any any of those I would like to see restricted. Uh, I, like shared pain or yeah, yeah stuff and, like that. Uh, I I feel they slow down the game. Uh, I feel that they they are the bad player experience. Uh, if if you're going to restrict uh, daylight robbery, which I'm I'm not convinced really needs to be, then that's the I, I would say that that those should all be on there. Uh, in terms of Rules bloat, yeah, there's there's a lot of design space out there now. There's a lot of things to cover. Uh, it, it can be pretty intimidating for new players to get into. Uh, and same with the, the Warbland band uh, bloat. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you can you can play whatever you want. Uh, if, if you're a corn guy, even if you can't find, uh, you know, the, the corn teams on your box because on the shelf because they've been discontinued, there's tons of people online. Uh, that are trying to get rid of their season one, season two warbands. So there, there's certainly all of that out there. But uh, I don't know. I, I think in the last couple seasons, it's it's really it, it's jumped the shark a little bit to, to getting to hey, this is a, a great game that's easy to play, it's easy to learn, and uh, then difficult to master. To, there's a lot of little things that you need to account for right on day one if you're going to be uh, moving forward in in, uh, in Underworlds. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it's, it's a really interesting conversation because, like, for people like for us, right, and other players who've been playing since the first season, these new rules are refreshing to a certain extent. Um, I do think in some some instances they can be tedious, but that's just, you know, GW experimenting with a game. And, and I can appreciate that for what that is. I think the new player experience is always something that everyone likes to talk about, including us on this podcast. And it's definitely something that it's definitely something that needs to be addressed. And I think it has been to a certain extent with Rivals and Rivals Plus. But, you know, Underworlds is a simple game. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a certain number of actions you can do. Um, you can... You know, there's a power step. I think deck building is like the biggest hill that people like struggle with. But, you know, that's always something that uh, that can be addressed in the future. But in terms of like a competitive meta space, I feel like if a new player were to jump in right now, personally, mm-hmm. I think Harrow Deep's, I'm sorry, Nether Maze is in a great spot. There's a lot of warbands that are viable. All the new warbands are fairly decent. Um, so I don't know. I, it's, it's really a mixed bag for me because on one hand, I think 
it may not be as simple as it used to be, but on the other hand, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, balanced. Mm -hmm. So, um, is there, do you have any thoughts on the exile dead or is that, uh, you, you know what? I, I've played him a couple times, uh, in rivals plus games. Uh, what's funny is that I played him against, uh, some of the claw pack and the claw pack run in, uh, go after the leader cause they can get around the zombies, uh, stagger everybody. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's all a matter of if, if you can't take down a four wound, one shield guy, uh, in your game plan, then you, you need to figure out your, a better game plan. That's very interesting. Um, that is that's very interesting, uh, and 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 to to a certain extent, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, it's hard to get to him though, but with rats, it's it, a bit easier. Yeah, it, it can. I, I will say that rat exile dead matchup is a really balanced one, actually. Yeah, it, it makes it really interesting. So yeah. it it was definitely fun. But uh, now that being said, the the claw pack are uh, a really fun warband and a really good warband. Uh, they they've been tearing up uh, uh, a few teams out here. Yeah. Well, Derek, I wanted to um, thank you for your time today on this episode. Um, I know that it's middle of the, it's earlier in the morning. So, you know, we got to get back to, you know, doing our professional gigs, but um, we've been trying to schedule this for like three weeks. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so I'm really glad we were able to make it work. Obviously I would have loved to have Zach or Jason on here um, to supplement, you know, the, the, the interview, but at the end of the day, you know, we just got to get content out. Yeah. And so, I um, really appreciate you jumping on. Any final thoughts you have or any shout-outs you'd like to make to the community you know, or to your community? Yeah, certainly my, my entire community here. Uh, they're, they're always awesome to play with. Uh, you know, we, we, everybody's got such busy schedules that everybody wants to get more games in. Uh, so we, we certainly work on that. If there's one bit of advice that I can give to, to anyone, and I, and I know that you do this, uh, and I want to say to everybody, if, if your meta or your community is not where you want it to be, then you need to cowboy up and host the games and be that, uh, be that community leader that just says, Hey, I'll, I'll meet you at the store. I'll meet you at the pub. Uh, we'll get in, uh, you know, a couple games just to keep it going. And then you'll, you'll be surprised at how good you feel. When a couple of those people that uh, came out because you had the time to, to play a game with them are now getting in games with the other people. And, and that's how you grow the community. And that's how we build it back up. 100%. 100%. You know, like, you know, I'll grumble and, and complain um, about playing, you know, Rivals games. Mm -hmm. But I do it and I'm going to keep doing it because I want that community to grow. So um, the onus is on you. You know, like the, for the longest time, I thought, and you know what? On candidly, I still am the guy who would rather show up to an event than organize the event. But at a, at a certain point, as you you know, as Derek so artfully put, you got to cowboy up, and you got to you know you got to get after it. So, I mean, if that's something that you're willing to do, you feel like it's safe to do, and you feel like um, you know you have the time to do, then I highly recommend it because it is rewarding. You know, seeing like a new person have that aha moment, you know, is is fun. So, um, and then plus, it's only future investment for yourself because then you can go beat them up later. Absolutely. And, and you know what's funny? You, you feel like a proud papa when uh, they pull off some janky combo and, and yes. you down for the first time. Yes, yes. It's actually really funny. Yesterday, 
when I was being taught X-Wing as an example, I did like a barrel roll because I was like, oh, I think I'll just barrel roll right here. And the guy was like, wait a second. Took a, he was like, put your thumb up, smile, let me take a picture. <laughs> He's like, you did your first barrel roll. And then they put it on like, it's called Houston X-Wing Apollo Squadron. Right. And uh, he like posted a picture of me, didn't even realize he was going to do that. <laughs> and everybody's like, hell yeah, great, you know, fun. And so that's what it's all about, Absolutely. right? It's having those moments and trying to build that community back up. And so, um, you know, I saw 13 players right there on a casual Tuesday night for, for X-Wing. Yeah. I don't see why we can't do that for Underworlds. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. So, um, well, Derek, thank you so much for your time. Um, and I'm really excited to have you on the episode and uh, we always enjoy a bit of Captain Murder, you know. We like, we like, we like that. So once again, thank you to our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join our current patrons, you can do so at Patreon.com/slash/PathToGlory. You can find all of our blog content on PathToGloryPodcast.com. If you have any feedback, questions, or comments, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or Discord at PathToGloryPodcast. And you know, if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, please rate us. You know, more people get to listen. That's great. And as always. Thanks for listening, and we wish you the best of luck on your path to glory. Oof, another brewski for the end. <laughs>